Hey, you guys, we're so glad to have our special guest with us, Mr. Red Waters. He grew up immersing himself in blues music at the tender age of seven years old. He was born in Rybrook, New York, and he had early inspirations from artists like Muddy Waters and Pine Top Perkins. And during his teenage years, he began singing at different bars and clubs throughout the NYC area. He began writing songs that spoke to the intersection of his knowledge and his love for folk, blues, Americana, and jazz piano. Red Waters went on to graduate from Burley College of Music in 2015, where he, his studies were concentrated in music, performance, and jazz piano. One thing I love about his music, you guys, you're going to get an opportunity to hopefully hear him very soon on Space Between, but he comes from a very soulful place, and he has released his debut album, Dirt and Ash. If you guys haven't heard of it yet, you need to check it out. It was just released on September 24th of this year. So we're so glad to have you, Mr. Red, with us, and we just love having you here on Black Canvas. Thanks so much, Jerry Ellen. It's great to be here with you, man. Well, I'm just glad to have you here. I, I always like to have new artists, um, rising stars, people who I think have a lot of great talent, but also have great souls. And I had a great opportunity, you guys, to talk to him outside of the podcast. And we have a lot of things in common, things we've experienced. But one thing I do say that sets him apart is that no matter what he goes through, he tries to go through it with a smile and just trying to find a happy way of working through his situations. And I know for me, that was a big struggle in the beginning of my life, but I'm getting to that place a lot better. But I think Red is doing a really great job in just all aspects of his life and what my conversation with him was about. So I'm just so glad, Ray, that you're here. Thanks, Jerry. Yeah, it was great to get to get to know you better. And I'm grateful, grateful you asked me to come on the show, man. Well, we're glad to have you. And if you guys, like I said, haven't heard of him, you're going to be in for a treat with his music. Because like I said, I love, I've actually listened to the album. It's really great. And so we're going to kind of go into our first question. So I first want to talk about songwriting, because I know that's something that you're very passionate about. Can you tell us what goes into the songwriting process for you? And for how many years have you been doing songwriting? When did it start? Yeah, so, um, you know, songwriting has been a part of my life since I was, you know, probably about, um, you know, 16 years old. And, um, you know, it's it's been fun to actually listen to some of those old, old recordings from when I was younger. Um, you know, they're not... I didn't have the tools that I have now, but, you know, I was really into writing lyrics, you know? So for me, you know, kind of just sitting, sitting down and write, either writing about personal experiences or um, things that I kind of saw in the world going on, um, you know, I really enjoyed, but then, um, you know, later in life, you know, really after I went to Berkeley college of music, I was able to really write more of the songs that I really heard in my head because I had more, you know, some more music theory knowledge and, you know, more of a jazz background. So then it was, it was really fun, you know, after, because I could just sit down and really um, get, get the songs out of my head actually onto the, onto the piano. I think that's awesome. And when I think of like, especially people who've gone to colleges that and specialize in music, you really get to be around an eclectic group of individuals who all have that passion and drive to become, you know, a greater sense of themselves, especially as artists. And I think that it kind of goes to my next question is that there's a common myth, I think, that would be a musician. 
And can you kind of debunk that myth? Because um, one, one of the myths I've heard is that, you know, someone who goes into the music industry, that they just have to have a big following or have to have mm-hmm. uh, maybe a great manager to be successful. And for many of the people I've interviewed so far, we know that's not the case because there's a lot of great independent artists out there who are making strides and who are building a fan base. But is there a common myth that maybe that you have heard or that you've experienced as a musician? Um, yeah, and I think that's totally true. You know what, what you're saying. Um, you know, for me, hear me okay, Jerry? Okay, we can hear you. Say that again, Ben. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Um, you know, I think about some of the myths that I had kind of growing up, you know, maybe myself about musicians, you know, um, and, you know, one was, I think just not understanding, you know, when I was, you know, really young before I got into it, like you look at some great musician and just, I would think that they were just kind of born that way. Um, and able to just, you know, when I went to music school and put in a lot of the work myself, I was able to see just, you know, how much, how much work went into the craft, you know, when I studied jazz piano in particular. Um, so that, that's one. And, you know, I think also just working with a band, you know, it's like, you know, seeing a lot of the rock stars, you know, growing up or seeing a band, it's like, it almost seems like they probably all get along all the time and, you know, don't have the struggles that you do in another kind of workplace, you know, where it's like, but really, you got all these um, different personalities trying to trying to get get a job done, you know. Still, and it's it's actually really hard, you know, to to get to that sweet spot where you guys are all um, all these different influences. For me, you know, trying to get the right sound and um, all connecting in that way has been a really new experience, a lot harder than I expected. I think that that's a really great point. Um, I think like just artistry in general, what does it take to become an artist? And I think like a lot of people, they have their own definition of what it means to be an artist, what if it's independent or through a record label. But I feel like when you have a passion for something, you know, you can debunk any situation. Like someone can feel that maybe you're not as talented as the next artist, but that's, that's all perception. And I, I feel like even with some of the artists we have out here today, they may not be the best voice and maybe... Um, maybe they're not the rangers or engineers or you know but they really have a great support team mm-hmm. that can really market a certain way that gives them maybe more um maybe coverage or headway than another artist that may not have as many followers or as much attention so i think that like you say like just knowing what it takes mm-hmm. in your mind to become successful and being aware of what you want to portray and what you want to give to the audience I think that to me is a true definition of an artist to me. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think like, you know, for me, I've thought a lot about this, you know, what, what are my favorite artists? You know, what do I love about my favorite artists? You know, what is it? And one commonality is that, you know, they're all really unapologetically themselves, you know, and that's, you know, they're just very authentic and it's not always about, um, you know, necessarily technical skills or anything like that. It's really just about that rawness of, you know, um, just, just being who they are, you know? 
I, I think that's true. And it kind of goes into artists that we love. And I want to ask you a question about current artists. Um, is there one current artist that you've been listening to that you would love to work with? And if so, who and what type of music do you think you guys would make together? So the first question of that is um, the artist that you would love to work with. And if you can kind of tell us who that is and then what type of music do you think you guys would actually be able to make together? Well, there's there's a definitely a lot of different artists and it's tough because there's so many great ones. Um, you know, one of my current favorite artists is Rufus Wainwright. And, um, you know, I would, I would love to make music with Rufus Wainwright. Um, I think if we, we got together... We would, I would want to do some like folk music, some very um, minimalist, you know, stripped down, um, you know, maybe with a string quartet, something like that would be really nice. And he's got a much higher voice than me, so I'd like to do some some nice harmonies and and yeah, make some good good folk music with him. And I love folk music, like. I, I don't think that that gets enough attention. And when we think of what we call popular music, I always say it's like, that's all relative as well. But I, I mean, folk music is something about it, especially like me think of a good indie folk artist. And there's so many of them out there. I mean, I can list a lot of mm-hmm. them that I like. Um, but I think like when I go back to my playlist and I listen to different artists, I'm like, wow, like I have an eclectic list, listening <laughs> ear, I guess, because I can go from rap music to R&B to jazz to folk music and then go all the way to gospel. I'm like, what, what am I listening mm-hmm. to right now? But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. 100%. That's, that's exactly how it is for me. And, you know, also I tend to, if I find an artist I love, you know, I will listen to them and only them for, you know, it could be up to a month, you know, it's just, um, you know, recently it was Silvio Rodriguez, um, you know, a folk Cuban folk singer that I'm kind of ashamed that I didn't know about, but um, until recently, and you know, it's just been incredible. So I've had him on a lot. Oh wow! Well, I'm gonna have to definitely going to text me that information later so yeah. I can listen to yeah. it. All right, Mind Ben. You. So I got a question for you. I want to talk about dirt and ash because i feel like this is definitely important i know it was an important release for you to get it out there to the people to hear it but can you tell us about your journey in releasing dirt and ash and what is your favorite memory related to this project yeah definitely i mean we one it was an album that just flowed out of me you know out of life experiences you know came out of some some painful times in life really and um you know so when it was when I got when I got to writing it, it really just I mean, I didn't really plan it. You know, it just at first it was I just started writing all these songs. And, um, you know, then I put together this fantastic band um, that I'm really grateful for. And, you know, we just really we tried to capture the vibe and the sound. And, you know, my memories of us at the studio were really, really some of the best, you know, because you know, we had only played together, um, you know, two times by the time we made the album, you know? So it was, there was just a lot of magical chemistry and yeah, it was just really special seeing it all come together and getting to know those guys, um, in the band and then hearing these songs, you know, that I was playing, 
on the piano singing by myself, you know, really, really come to life. And, you know, the whole process of writing it, um, it was just a really raw process for me. And the songs felt like they really needed to get out. I love that. I mean, and I think that's some of the best artistry, as you mentioned, is when you're just sitting there, you just meet. And most times some of the best songs when you think about it, when you're sitting in a room and y'all just writing and then all of a sudden you're just getting in recording it maybe someone that you didn't even know that well before the writing session started, but it's just kind of like everything clicks and flows. And I love that you mentioned about like just joining a band together a few days of, you know, getting to know each other and just jumping right into it. Cause it kind of goes into my next question, which goes into you ever get nervous before performing and um, if you do get nervous, how do you work through those nervous feelings? Yeah, I mean, it's, I definitely have gotten nervous. And, you know, there's definitely the biggest feeling. It's like a feeling of, um, I think, excitement, you know, which is kind of kind of a nervous feeling. Um, and as, as I performed more and more, you know, it's it's more just pure excitement, you know, to perform. and and sing and play because I love it so much. Um, I think the times I've been most nervous is when, you know, maybe working on new material, you know, things that I'm not, you know, maybe not as comfortable with. Um, so, you know, the way I've kind of gotten through it, I just kind of take the dive in, you know, it's like just jumping in the water. Um, and I think that's what kind of a lot of the, the greatest moments, you know, in the studio too, um, I definitely get more nervous recording, you know, because there's just an aspect of being recorded that for me, just, um, it's a whole different thing. Um, it's easier for me to perform in front of people. Um, but for me, I just, it's, it kind of makes me think of, um, sports, you know, like playing basketball and you're at the foul line and you're, uh, you know, those clutch free throws. <laughs> it's like, don't, it's that kind of, that kind of feeling, you know, and then you just, you know, you forget, you just don't think and you throw it up there and, you know, hopefully swish it, you know, <laughs> it's like, that's a, that's a great right? analogy. Nice to play basketball. It's that same feeling, you know, and sometimes you miss, you know, and you go home and you're like, damn, you know, that was, then you watch the video and you're like, Ooh, <laughs> that was rough. So let's let, let's talk about that because I used to play basketball too. So what position did you play? Um, mostly the the three, you know, the two or the three, you know. Um, in my mind, I wanted to be more of a two, but I was always more of a three, and like or four even when I was younger. But yeah, like a, a small forward. Okay, yeah, I played small forward, and then um, I shot up when I was younger because I was five five, and then in one summer I went from five five to like five ten. And so I went oh, wow. from small forward to center pretty quickly. And then the funniest thing was no one really knew how to dribble. So then I had to bring the ball down. I'm like, can I just get one roll away? <laughs> well, I don't have to do everything, but it was fun. <laughs> oh, That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> so I kind of, yeah, basketball is fun. I love team sports and, you know, that's one sport that I could watch day and night and never get tired of. Um, it's just, it just, the excitement of especially college basketball. I mean, at, especially this time of year, it's really great to be able to see it. Um, but yeah, that's great that you have another talent that I didn't even know about that one. So that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. Man. Cool. 
Now, is there a specific venue that you're dying to play at, like that you haven't played yet, but it's like on your bucket list? I mean, in the end of the, at the like far goal, you know, it's a big one, but Madison Square Garden, you know, that's that's like that's my dream, you know, because yeah, I'm from New York, and you know, it's New York's arena, you know, um, so that's my that's my um. My long-term goal. I'm, I'm playing at the Mercury Lounge coming up, which I'm excited about in New York. And um, yeah, that's sort of, you know, that's kind of what I've been thinking about really right now. Um, you know, I'm sure there's there's definitely other venues, you know, I want to play at, um, you know, the Bowery Ballroom, um, a lot of New York venues that, bigger venues as I continue to build that I, I really want to play at. That's cool. I always go back to like going to Wembley, like thinking of Wembley Stadium. Like that is one that mm-hmm. people have have said is just such a beautiful place to to play or just to even go. Like I, I mean, that's one that stands out to me. And then me being from the South, being from New Orleans, I always think of like the Superdome. Of course, it's changed names over over the years, but that's just such a huge place if you've ever been. Yeah. No, that would be awesome. So we're putting it on your bucket list. We're going to make it work. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what about specific roadblocks? Have you had any specific roadblocks that you've had to work through in in the beginning of your career so far? I think, you know, I think the biggest thing is I like to spend my time songwriting and and just, just playing music. And that's, you know, it's, that's where my passion is. I like to write songs and then I like to perform. So you know, with all the other things that come with the music career, just emails and um, social media and, you know, the other things, the other part of the really the business aspect, um, you know, just, I guess, just kind of adjusting to that and continuing to just, you know, find the joy in the part that I love, which is easy to find that joy, but really just finding a balance between the two because, you know, obviously I want my music to be heard. I want to perform. And without that other aspect of, you know, connecting with people and venues and social media, it's just, it's not going to happen if I'm just performing in my, in my apartment, you know? So, um, that's just, that's just been an adjustment for me, the amount of time spent, um, you know, cause it's not, that's not really a, as comfortable of a place for me, you know, spending that much time on that grind, you know? <laughs> Well, I totally understand that. I mean, even with my podcast and um, with book writing that I've done, like it, it takes a lot of effort and time and, you know, setting your schedule, reaching out to people, marketing, like there's so much that goes into it. And I don't think people really yeah. understand that. It's just, it's very time consuming and keeping track of time zones, keeping track of, you know, schedules that when things are being rescheduled, like it's just being aware of those resources and, and really keeping a great calendar a mental calendar and a physical calendar, I think, are just are very important, especially as a musician. I know that's something that you probably have to kind of keep track of. How much time I have between, you know, shows or how much time do I have if I'm traveling to another city to to record or do something else? Like, you really have to be aware of it. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, kind of goes back to that other question about myths about musicians because, you know, it can kind of seem like you see a band up there. It's like you know, just what, what it takes to all the scheduling, you know, with the venue and then, and then also, you know, the different schedules of 
the band members and um, just just all the different things that we do as musicians, the amount of behind the scenes effort it takes, like any business, you know, it's really not different, you know, than, than any other business. That's true. I mean, that's a really great point. Um, so it kind of goes into another question I have for you. This is kind of off the wall, but I think it's something you can answer. But if you could have one superpower, what would that superpower be? <laughs> you know, I feel like, I would have a voice. I could would turn my voice into Freddie Mercury's voice from Queen. Oh man! You know what I mean? Like because yeah, for me that's like that's my dream voice. You know, and Rufus Wainwright would be like my second dream voice because he he's kind of got a Freddie Mercury vibe going. But yeah, Freddie Mercury, man. That's I would just I would turn that button on and I would belt that out. You know. <laughs> Can anyone find me somebody to love? Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause, cause sometimes you know when I'm writing songs, it's like I have a lower voice. You know, it's not I'm not in I don't have that that high voice that Freddie Mercury has. So sometimes I'm like, man, you know, I wouldn't mind wouldn't mind being able to belt out there like that. <laughs> I mean, sustaining a voice like that. I yeah. mean, it, it's 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 hard. I, I look at there's many artists I love and everyone knows some of my favorite artists, but some of the ones I love, especially female voices, are some of the ones that have more of a richness, like a Tony Braxton or Anita Baker mm-hmm. or Layla Layla Hathaway, those mm-hmm. kind of voices I love. But I love the higher voices, like the Mariah Carey's. I mean, she can do stuff with a falsetto that I don't think many humans can actually do. It's so unbelievable. One hundred percent. You know, it's that's why. Like, I mean, I have so many different idols. You know, I mean, you know, I'm Neil Young, Bob Dylan, who have more of um. You know, I relate to these guys more because, you know, they're oh yeah, they're not technically, you know. They're, they're not technically like uh, a Freddie Mercury, you know, or um, they're just singing with that raw folk voice, you know, which is how I feel, you know, a little bit with myself. And But then I hear these other guys, you know, like, yeah, Mariah Carey or Freddie Mercury. Or, uh, yeah, and I'd like to step into their shoes for a day, you know. For a yeah, minute, I'll yeah, step into shoes. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it'd be pretty cool. That is cool. So I kind of want to go into another question for you. This is one I love to ask all my guests. If you could give your younger self any piece of advice, you get to choose the age, but I want you to tell me, what would you tell to your younger self? You know, I think, I think this just came to me, actually. You know, I would probably go tell my you know, really young self, like seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, you know, and just tell myself, not to take things too much to heart, you know, like, especially from other people, you know, um, not to take things, um, personally, you know, um, something around those lines to, um, you know, cause like, I just remember being a kid, you know, it's like the things people say, they seem so, they really stick with you, you know, and that negative and positive. So, you know, I guess to hold things lightly, I don't think I would necessarily understand that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that would be that would be one thing. I think. I think it's a great one. Um, if I could tell my younger self one thing, it would be is to drown out the negative noise that you create in your own head. Mm. I feel mm. like that's always been a huge struggle for me, and I feel like with time, I've gotten a lot better at it. But 
when you've been so used to hearing negativity or being surrounded by it, it's hard for when you are succeeding or doing positive things to see yourself in that same light or to that same level or caliber of someone else. But I've, I've learned not to compare myself to anyone else because I feel like I'm unique and different, but also just being aware of that, you know, you can relish in positive things and say, hey, I actually did really well at this. And this is something I didn't think I could do at first. But now that I'm doing it, I can actually sit back and be grateful instead of just being proud for it. I can be grateful for those experiences. I love that, man. And it's kind of it's kind of, um, you know, similar to what I'm saying, just with your own mind. You know, it's like not to not to take the negative thoughts seriously, you know, um, because it's kind of like, yeah, I remember being young too. It's like, I took them very, I had a lot of negative thoughts coming, you know, a lot of being very hard on myself, you know, and basketball in particular, you know, um, and, and maybe piano too, but so. Well, that's great that you're able to see that today. Cause you know, the worst part is when you get older and then you really don't, sit back and self-reflect on things that you need to change. Cause there are a lot of people out there, unfortunately, who feel like it's everybody else and it's never their part. But I always say, even if you didn't do certain things um, that deserved your outcome, that we still play a role in holding on to it or not expressing it or not actually getting to a point of evolving through those experiences, because, you know, we've all been through some negative times, you know, in life. And I know with COVID, a lot of people today are really just having a hard time just, getting back to functioning to a quote unquote normal living. Um, But I think like when we look at where we could be versus where we are, you know, it just takes a lot of, you know, willpower and a lot of honesty and open-mindedness that gets us to the next level in our careers and our lives and our relationships, um, at least from what I've experienced. Um, So I, I try my best to forgive myself and then be able to, work on forgiving others because it doesn't mean you forget what you've experienced, but it just means that I'm willing to go in a different direction and not down the same road that I was used to travel. Yeah. I really like that. And I like what you said about, you know, kind of just kind of taking responsibility, you know, like, you know, I can't, you know, that whole blaming others thing. um, Yeah. It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't just doesn't work. You know, so that's been a big part of my life is just, you know, being honest with myself. And we're glad, glad that you shared that, Ben, because I think that just shows in your maturity level, but it also shows your willingness to grow as an artist. Because, you know, sometimes when we don't have opportunities or opportunities are given to us, we may not be ready for it. And so I know where I am today and talking to you and talking to so many amazing human beings that I've been able to interview over the last few months. I mean, people I never thought in in my wildest dreams I would ever talk to. And it just shows me Mm -hmm. of just how unified we can all be in this country and to be able to share our experiences, but also how even with distance that that doesn't mean that we still don't have the opportunity to share our experiences. And so I love podcasts for this purpose because Hey, if I didn't have this opportunity to talk to you or didn't even think of this idea, you know, a year ago, then we wouldn't be here. Yes, totally, man. And, you know, it makes me think, um, you know, I think a lot about, you know, the kind of the divisions that go on with people right now, you know, and how there's a lot of um, not being connected. And then, you know, where, like you're saying, where you've been connecting with people and, 
it's like I think a lot about what brings us together. Like, for instance, you know, if we were there's like cancer groups, you know, specific groups for specific things where nobody cares about the differences because there's a common suffering, a common there's something uh, everyone recognizes we're all in some boat together, you know, and then all the differences sort of go away and nobody cares, you know. And so I've been thinking a lot about that. Just, you know, we're all, we're all human beings in the same boat. And it's like, um, you know, so just in, in a podcast or, you know, when there's a commonality, it's very easy to, to forget all the differences. And, you know, so I just been thinking a lot about that. Um, just a wish really just a wish that um we can all connect on that at least the human level that we all go through things we all lose people we all we all go through a lot you know and we all suffer and we all want to be happy and you know just on that level it's like we don't i don't care what somebody's different views are and that's sort of something that's important for me to continue to think about because you know i judge i judge people and i can become disconnected from people really easy like the next person so Mm-hmm. That's a great, great statement that you made, but it also kind of goes to one of my favorite books. It's called 12 Stupid Things That Mess Up Recovery, and it's a book by Hazleton. And in the actual book, it talks about specifically, it says that we are perfectly imperfect human comma being. And so it kind of talks about we are human beings, but that we're human comma being, being who we are, being through our experiences that we can still be perfectly imperfect and that we don't have to try to do things to perfection. But if I'm doing things better than I did yesterday and I learn from that experience and when I faltered or didn't do things the way I wanted it to, that that doesn't mean that I can't still become better and that I can still find myself in the process of learning. So I I love that you said it about being human beings because we are, but you know, what are we actually working toward what are the goals that we're setting for ourselves that is what sets people apart and i think that's something that can also connect us the interconnectedness is when we realize hey you know what that person's crying right now that person's may need me they don't need to hear me but they need me just to be sit here and be present with them while they're going through their emotional pain and sometimes that's all people need is someone just to know that you care and not give advice or suggestion because they may not need that in that moment Totally, man. That's, that's a great point. And something that I've, I've tried to learn over the years, you know, it's, it's hard not to jump in with the advice, you know, and <laughs> especially with people you love, you know, you want to, I want to fix them. And, you know, and sometimes the best thing I can do is just, just be a loving presence. And, you know, I, that makes me think of also just with songs, you know, like, I mean, how many times I've been going through things in my life and the loving presence of a song that embodied that exact pain I was going through you know, and like putting that on repeat, you know, because it's like, it really, it really Absolutely. acknowledges where you're at. And sometimes when I write songs, you know, I try to capture those feelings, you know, um, that's, yeah, I, I think that's been a big part of what I love about music. You know, it has that ability to, to comfort. That's true. And I think that your music is something that resonates with a lot of people it definitely has helped me listening to your music. I was like, I always like to, if there's a guest, especially an artist, I like to hear the music. I like to hear their story and to see if the music and story match, you know, where they are today versus where they were when they wrote it. And 
I think like that just shows your maturity level, but also where you've been and, and how it led you to a record that you weren't even expecting to make. So we're glad that you're here. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Jerry. I appreciate it, man. Oh, it's absolutely no problem. Now, one last question I have for you. you you've done really well with these questions. Um, is how can <laughs> our listeners find you online? If you can kind of plug which areas they can find you and if you want to promote anything that's coming up, um, we would love to know what's going on. Yes. So on, I just released Dirt and Ash. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes, on Amazon Music. Um, yeah, all, all, all the, the major, um, whatever you call it, suppliers. <laughs> um, it, it's there. Um, <laughs> and I also just, I just recorded four more songs. So I'm going to be releasing an EP soon, probably um, in the next couple months, you know, the sooner the better. Um, so that's pretty exciting. And that'll also be on iTunes, Spotify and all those, those other ones. So yeah, I'm also on Instagram. Um, it's red waters. Red is with two D. So R E D D waters at, uh, underscore official. So red waters underscore official. So you can find me there and see some videos and, uh, yeah. And I'll be playing at the Mercury lounge in New York. So if you're out there, uh, the day after Christmas, December 26th at 6.30 for some New York listeners or Connecticut listeners. That's awesome. Well, I'm just grateful that you not only agreed to be a part of this and to kind of share your light and your story with us, but continue to go on your musical journey. Because I know that if you continue to do what you're doing now, you're going to not only be successful, but you're going to help change so many people's lives. And I'm just grateful to know you as a person. And I would love to have you back, hopefully in the near future, to perform live some of your songs from Dirt and Ash on Space Between, if you're interested. I would love that. And it would be an honor and a pleasure. And I love what you're doing. You know, it's inspiring to me. And yeah, I really appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you. And I appreciate you being a great friend, a person that I think has a lot of potential. And I feel like potential is something that not many artists have today. You know, they, they reach that pinnacle of success and you just see them kind of sometimes plateau. But I feel like if you continue to do what you're doing, your potential will continue to grow and you'll keep being more creative and we'll start to see a difference from dirt and ash. It'll be almost like you've had a rebirth, kind of like a phoenix coming from, rising from the ashes. I feel like that's, that's why I see you going for sure. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. I like that imagery. And uh, yeah, that, that means a lot to me. Uh, oh, I'm going to be back on the show and perform some songs. And um, yeah, that, that sounds like a blast. Cool. So we'll try to get him back, you guys, hopefully next couple of weeks. I'll begin with him with a schedule. But thank you so much, Red, for being on the show. And let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. All right. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the show and we'll definitely have you back soon. Thanks so much. You have a great day, man. All right. You too. Bye. Uh, bye.
Thank you.